I have to say that the Watchtower magazine in itself is is not necessarily interesting. And it's not necessarily interesting because there's nothing in it that impresses you. There's nothing in it meant to wow you. But there is a message. And that message is meant to be conveyed. And that message is meant to motivate you to do certain things. We find a very troubling aspect about the Watchtower in the April 17th study article 7. Listen to the words of the wise Watchtower. The members of this religion will be reading this information, but unfortunately they will miss certain mind-controlling aspects about this article. They will miss details that are meant to brainwash. And I use that term loosely because there are psychologists that say that that's not a term. Call it what you will. Mind control, brainwash, whatever this magazine is this weekend, it's meant to grab the members by the hand and gravitate them towards a certain kind of behavior. The article starts with the words, listen to the words of the wise. But if you are a Jehovah's Witness, you know exactly who the wise are. That refers to the leadership, the leadership, the people in charge in this religion. It's not talking about university professors. It's not talking about scholars. It's talking about the authority figures. In the first sentence, it says, all of us need counsel from time to time. Now, it is true that all of us need advice from time to time, but this word counsel, counsel that they use in this article is used very loosely because if you type in counsel into Google and you go to yourdictionary.com, it says that counsel means the act of exchanging opinions and ideas. There is also a noun, advice, or guidance especially as solicited from a knowledgeable person. The very first one, the act of exchanging opinions and ideas, consultation. This is definitely not the way the Watchtower uses this word because there is no exchange of ideas with this religion. This religion imparts its ideas, its rules, its laws, and you have to obey under any circumstance. They're not talking about a council in which you will have an input. You never do. So when it says, again, the title, Listen to the Words of the Wise, it means that the authority figures will be giving you counsel, but you will have no say in it. You will have no input. And that is the silver lining in this article. That's the fine print. Now, it seems like good advice when someone says, hey, would you like to listen to wise people? Sure, here I am. I'd like to listen. It seems like it, except when you realize the definition of their wise people. Their wise people are only anyone that is in the leadership position. The leadership leadership position members retain They hide information from their members. They will tell you that they advocate advocate for your interest, but in actuality, they advocate for the interests of the Shepherd the Flock policy book made by this religion, 
which if you know anything about these policies, they don't have you in mind. The policies aren't to protect you. The policies are to protect the religion as a whole, the organization, the company. The policy is only to get you to fall in line. It is not advocating for your interests. So we finally arrive to paragraph number one, where it says a sentence like the following. Counsel may come to us in the form of correction after we have made a serious mistake. That's a flat out lie because counsel may find you even when you have not made any serious mistake or at least anything in their standard that's considered a serious mistake. It could come to you. It could find you for whatever. And so hence it says, the very la- well, the second to last sentence, whatever form it takes, we should listen to counsel. Doing so is good for us. Now, <laughs> see, th- this, is, this is the issue in paragraph number one. Counsel can find you at any moment is what it should say, is what it should read. Because counsel to a Jehovah's Witness does find them at any moment. It finds them because of the way they dress. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It, it just has to be something, a, a fad, a fashion that doesn't align with their standards. Counsel could find you because of the way you look at someone, or at least the way someone thinks they you looked at them. Counsel could find you because you didn't say hello to someone, or at least that someone thinks you didn't say hello to them purposely. Counsel could find you just because someone in the leadership position, an elder, has it out for you. Counsel could find you in at any moment. And that's what this first paragraph should say. It shouldn't say counsel may come to us in the form of correction. It should say whatever form it takes, just like it says in the second to last sentence, whatever form it takes, it can find you at any moment. That's what it should say. That is paragraph number one. Think about this. Any member that shows any kind of individualistic thinking will receive counsel. That is how insane this religion is. They do not like any individualistic thinking, any independent thinking. They do not like anyone falling out of line with their standards. And again, counsel, by their definition is not the exchanging of ideas. Counsel, by their definition, has basically been defined in the first paragraph, will be a correction. So we now find ourselves in paragraph number two. It's funny that they use this verse, Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, because it's being used out of context. Proverbs 22, 20, 22 17 is advice for the real worshiper, but... When they use Proverbs twenty two seventeen, listen to the words of the wise. There is only one wise kind of person, and that is an authority figure in this religion. They're not talking about your grandfather that has unlimited life experience. They're not talking about your mother and your father. They're not talking about an older sibling. What they're actually saying is, 
Listen to the elders. They have a picture here where if you know anything about cults, you know that one of their trademarks is to redefine words. The words don't need any redefining, but they do it anyway because they say so. So in order to try and sound convincing, they will now shed spotlight on the word council. They're going to be defining the word council. But if you know anything, again, if you know anything about cults, one of their trademarks is that they grab words, words that don't need a definition, don't need defining, and they redefine them. They reassign them a new definition. And we will see this exact same cult tool utilized with the word council. They are going to redefine this word into two separate words. And that's what we will see. They need this in order to push their agenda of successfully achieving obedience from their members. They're going to break it up into two parts. They say there is indirect council and there is direct council. Now, they're not going to focus much on indirect counsel because indirect counsel, what they're talking about is any sorts of advice that comes to you without there being an exchange of ideas. So, for example, if you read it in the Bible, it's not like the Bible is talking to you. Well, figuratively it is, but it's not talking to you and say you're having a back and forth conversation. There's no dialogue going on. If you hear advice from one of their videos or their cartoons, that's indirect counsel, see, because the person on the screen is talking to you. It's feeding you mind-numbing propaganda. But again, there is no dialogue. If you receive advice from their magazine, this magazine, The Watchtower, same thing, indirect counsel. There is no dialogue. There's a lot of information being poured onto you, but there isn't a back and forth conversation. So what is direct counsel? Direct counsel is when you received counsel. And remember, this word counsel is not an exchange of ideas, not the way they employ it. So what they're saying is direct counsel will be if now you're involved in a dialogue between yourself and an authority figure between yourself and an elder in the congregation between yourself and someone that towers over you in a so-called what they call spiritual manner this is direct counsel and they want you they're going to set you up so now they redefine the word because we all know what counsel is they're receiving of ideas with an exchange of ideas but their counsel isn't an exchange of ideas. It's you will get some sort of discipline. Thank you, sir. Can I have some bell? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Oliver Twist there. That's what they expect you to say. And anyone that doesn't fall in line and doesn't thank them for counseling their lives, even when they're not asking for advice, they're not needing counsel, well... You will get counsel for not accepting counsel. We go back to this direct, direct counsel. And now this new definition they've created and the attention they will give it. What comes of it? Direct counsel. But before we jump to paragraph four, we want to make something clear. We're not saying that there isn't such a thing, 
such a thing out there in the world as direct and indirect counsel? Because there is. This is terminology used in psychology. This is terminology used even in the medical field. This is normal, normal, a normal conjunction of terms. So indirect and direct counseling. What we're what we're we want to make clear is that there is no such thing as indirect and direct counseling in the Bible. The way that they have used this terminology now creates a new definition to what this is, a religious definition. But even more directly, it's terminology that now they say applies only to them, that is being utilized by the Watchtower to say that indirect and direct counseling comes from them, from this religion. And that redefining of this terminology is what we are implying does not exist. Okay, number four, paragraph number four. It says, realistically, we may find it especially difficult to accept direct counsel. Direct counsel. Well, yes, because oftentimes you will notice in this religion that the people giving counsel are people that have, as what Jesus called, hypocrites. First cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then shall you see clearly to cast out the moat out of your brother's eye. Matthew 7, 5. You'll find yourselves with a lot of hypocrites. There's a lot of hypocrisy, sadly, in this religion. And that hypocrisy abounds with the authority figures. Yeah, that's one of the things that naive members never see. They don't see the hypocrisy behind the authority figures. They don't see the way they lock themselves in the back room and they go back and forth and they fight amongst each other and they quarrel and they make political groups to pass their agendas. They don't see none of this, but this happens in the secretive back room. Paragraph four says we might justify ourselves. So they're setting you up to understand that you shouldn't find reasons not to accept their wise wisdoms, their massive wisdom that they have. I mean, they're so smart. They keep saying, we might question the counselor's motives or take offense at the way he gave the counsel. Of course we take offense. Of course we take offense. And the reason we take offense is because we're trying to defend ourselves. We're trying to defend our families and our good name. We don't like to be called out for any small, trivial, insignificant thing. We don't like to be called out because you don't like the color of my suit. We don't like to be called out because you don't like my buzz cut or because I might have slept in on a Saturday or because I'm a young man and I don't have what you call spiritual goals. Even though that's terminology that's not in the Bible. It keeps saying. We might even find fault with the counselor himself, reasoning, what right does he have to counsel me? And it's because it's hard to take advice, or what they call counsel so far. It's hard to take counsel from someone that's not going to allow me to have an input. You know, in the secretive book, The Shepherd the Flock, which is a book that only the authority figures have, 
this book says that when giving counsel, you're going to allow the person to talk. But then it has the next instruction, which is you will implement policies. And once you implement policy, there is no more input from the person. So is it really a dialogue? Is it really a caring conversation when they say, we want to hear you out? We want to know what you're going through. We're here to help you. So please, we'd like to hear from you. And then you say whatever you have to say, but that is it. See, you didn't say things so that you would have an additional input, so you would have a follow-up. No, you said things so they could write down notes, and they do write down notes, so they have a way to incriminate you. So yes, when this magazine says, we might even find fault with the counselor himself. We might take offense at the way he gave the counsel. Well, yes, because the way he gave the counsel, there was no dialogue. Or the person telling me what to do is a person that is telling me to do something that they don't necessarily do themselves. We're going to skip ahead to paragraph number eight. They take Job out of context Because they say that he received straightforward counsel. Well, really, was it straightforward counsel? Because Job had much input, if not just as much input as as his friends. Job actually had input. Yes, he heard out his friends, but he didn't necessarily always do what his friends said. If he had followed some of the advice, some of the counsel that he was giving by some of these members, what you would know is that Job would have broken his promise with God. He would have strayed away. He would have quit enduring his pains, his trials. And he might have said, forget this. I don't want to serve God. So no, When paragraph number eight says that he humbly accepted the counsel, well, he heard his friends out. That doesn't mean that he necessarily accepted it because it doesn't mean that he recorded it in his heart and he started living by the counsel of his friends. Read the story of Job. Read the story of Job. We find the example of of three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Sophar. And I'm not going to get into all of these, but look at Job 42.7. God condemns (laughs) condemns the counsel that Eliphaz gives, where he says in his own words, I am angry with you, Eliphaz, and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me. Of course, we must look at the context, but there is no doubt about it that the friends, the counsel that he received wasn't always the greatest. So when you use Job in paragraph number eight to say that they accepted counsel, that that Job accepted all counsel, so you should be, you, Jehovah's Witness, should be just like Job. Well, (laughs) you know, I'll tell you, (laughs) his friends didn't always give the best counsel. So we shouldn't always accept the counsel, correct? We should meditate. We should think about. We should consider a person that's given us counsel, and then, and then, 
react based on how knowledgeable and how reasonable or beneficial that counseling can be to to us. We we have to weigh the matter in a lot of different uh, in a lot of different ways. So, question number eight: How did Job react to counsel? You know. <laughs> If he had accepted it, let's say he accepted all the counsel he, he, he received, well, he'd be down the wrong path. So we shouldn't always accept the counsel. However, this paragraph number eight says, tries to sway you to humbly accept the counsel, as it says there. Now, number paragraph number nine is a danger to most members in the, in the religion. And it's a danger because it's setting you up to put down all defenses and to accept any sort of correction that this religion gives you. Moses, as an example, they say Moses accepted correction. And they uh, cite the verse from Deuteronomy 3.23.27 where it says in their Bible, never speak to me again about this matter. The reason they use these words is because they want to mold you to be that kind of person. That when you accept counsel, you do as Jehovah told Moses. Never speak to me again about this matter. What matter was it? Well, it was the matter where Moses lost out on entering into the promised land. And he lost out because he made a mistake. We're not going to get into the whole story, but he makes a mistake. And he, he doesn't get to enter into the promised land. The promised land that had been promised to them for more than 40 years. But he doesn't, he doesn't get to enjoy, partake in, in this ultimate blessing because of a mistake he made. Uh, well, God says, never speak to me again about this matter. They want you to carry those words in, in your heart. And it's not to say that in life we won't come across advice where we do want to take it all of our life. We do want to download it into our hearts and take it with us for the rest of our lives. That, that does happen. Right. This, this is why this is why you'll come across people in life that have principles because they don't break these principles because these principles have been fruitful for them. They've brought them results in lives. And, and this is what happens. But in this case, when they want you to download the words, never speak to me again about this matter, they're trying to trample any kind of input that you might have in moments where someone gives you correction. And you'll see examples of that throughout this article here. We go to paragraph number 12. How can humility help us to accept counsel? Well, it says we need to be humble by remembering just how imperfect we really are and how foolish we can be at times. That's true. But if that's true for us, isn't couldn't that also be true for these authority figures that are also imperfect? Are don't they also need humility? Because if I'm going to apply this information to myself as a human being, can I apply that to them as well? The truth is that in this cult, you cannot. You, as a lower member of the religion, cannot cannot teach. An authority figure. You know, I remember one case where, and this is a, a sad memory that I have. There was a member in the congregation that came up to me. Not going to name names, and I don't want to give a lot of descriptions. But the the person comes up to me and says, "What can I do 
what should I do? And I don't want to get into the details of it, but they say, what should I do with this aspect of my life? And I said, well, follow good Christian advice. Yes, but what should I do? Well, what do you think God wants from you? What have you understood? Well, I just want to know what you want. This is what they would tell me, their comeback. I want to know what you want. What, what do you want me to do? This is a person that I've known all my life. That before I received any sort of authority power in that religion, they weren't coming up to me for, all, for advice. They weren't basing their life on what I told them or dictated of their lives. But it shows what these authority figures, the kind of power these authority figures have over people. Now, I, I like to think that I always try to go out of my way to help people. At least, I mean, I can't be the judge of that. Someone else would have to, would, would be the judge of that, would be a better judge of that. But I like, I, I do enjoy helping people. So taking advantage of people is something I, 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 I've never gone out of my way to do. And that is something that is applauded in that religion. Part of the reason that I definitely cut any sort of tether back to that religion. Paragraph 12 says, Humility will likewise help us apply counsel even when we feel that we do not deserve it or when the one giving it is younger than we are. That's funny because the hypocrisy abounds in this religion. And younger people, even though they'll say younger people can counsel older people, it just it doesn't. It's a lot like the workplace where, where the, the, the new guys, the apprentices, yeah, they don't tell a journeyman what to do. And that happens in this religion too. I, I, I've seen that. That is just part, that is a distinctive factor of this religion. Let's move on to paragraph number 15. Why should we ask for counsel? See, this is, this is, a, very, um, this is a very dangerous paragraph now, paragraph 15. And the reason is because they take the Bible and they mistranslate it. And they're going to mistranslate one verse in particular, which is Proverbs 13.10. These, this is a, a, a serious danger, not only in this religion, but in many religions today, and that is the mistranslation of the Bible. Proverbs 13.10 in their Bible says, word for word, wisdom belongs to those who seek advice. How true that is. Okay. If the Bible in Proverbs 13.10 actually says wisdom belongs to those who seek advice, and that's the key word, seek. If it really says that, I should have no trouble finding that in other Bibles. Now, I challenge you as a listener to look up Proverbs 13.10 on Google and tell me if it says wisdom belongs to those who seek advice. Right off the bat, Proverbs 13.10 in the NIV says wisdom is found in those who take advice. See? It is very different to seek and to take. What they want you to do, what this religion wants you to do, is to go out of your way to be corrected. Go out of your way to an authority figure and ask them to correct you, to constantly belittle you, to constantly berate you, to micromanage your life. The reason that's done is because it's a psychological tool that they use in order to destroy any sort of doubt that you might have to walk away from the religion. 
It helps you be meek and humble. It helps you be naive. It helps you stay locked in in the religion. It is applauded to go and seek counsel from other people. It is, from I'm sorry, more directly from authority figures. Not just from any person. You know, not the little guys. <laughs> who cares about them? The New Living Translation says, those who take advice. The English Standard Version, those who take advice. Berean study says the well-advised. The wisdom is with the well-advised. Again, taking it advice is one thing. It comes to us whenever it comes to us. But seeking it means you're actively, actively going to be corrected. You know what? What does the original scriptures say? Let's go to the Septuagint, as some would call it, or Septuagint. Septuagint, or the Septuagint, Proverbs 13.10 says, But they that are judges of themselves are wise. What about the interlinear Bible? What does it say? We go straight to the Hebrew Scriptures now. Go to the Hebrew Scriptures and we go. There we go. Proverbs 13.10. Wisdom is with those who take advice. Those who take advice. So by inserting that word seek and all of paragraph 15 goes into that word, they are manipulating the Bible and they're manipulating the members. Now, they thought they'd throw a fastball fastball by us by quoting this text and and misinterpreting it, mistranslating it, but we caught it. We caught it. It's not the only one. That, but there's there's millions like this, but it takes a little bit of reading, uh, a little bit of patience, and we could find it. Now, if if all these other Bibles that we talked about aren't good enough, and we say, well, they could be mistranslated, mistranslated. Well, that's why we go to the Masoretic text. That's why we go to the. Septuagint, <laughs> Septuagint. That's why we go to these books because we go to the to the horse's mouth, and the horse's mouth says there is no such thing as seek advice. There is everything as such a thing as taking advice. Those who take advice, but those who seek advice is very different. Seeking again, the reason this has such a powerful, a powerful. Uh, effect in a person's mind is because seeking means you will be actively actively going to the authority figures and the authority figures will be constantly correcting you now a person that takes advice takes it whenever it comes there might be some advice for me today (laughs) who knows maybe nothing tomorrow you know maybe in, in a few weeks i get some more who knows I, I didn't actively seek it. I didn't act actively seek it. I didn't actively go to get corrected. Notice what they say. Those who ask for counsel rather than wait for someone to approach them will often make greater spiritual progress than those who do not seek advice. Now we see the underlining. Now we see why the mistranslation of Proverbs 13.10. 
Because they want you to seek. As a young 16, 17, 18-year-old man, they want you to rapidly be corrected. They want that information of the watchtower downloaded into your mind. And they want you to reach new levels in this organization. They want you to get to the top tier. And the reason they want that is because they need people to carry this nonsensical religion on <laughs> to keep the circus going. That's what, how every cult survives. Proverbs 13.10 was quoted in paragraph 15. And paragraph 16 and 17 wrap everything up. If you saw a subliminal message in paragraph 15, they quickly conclude paragraph 16 and 17 and hit it, maestro, and bring on the song. Eh, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Nah, 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 nothing to see here. So we take we dove today into listen to the words of the wise. Watchtower, February 2022. Study Article 7. This will be read to the members on April 17th. But hopefully somebody catches it by then. Hopefully somebody stops and reads the Bibles. Hopefully somebody opens up Proverbs 13.10. Because once we understand the purpose of mistranslating verses of the Bible like this, we could find the mind control. We could find the real intention. We see the fine print. We see the underlining. And hey... You're a liar. <laughs> You're lying to me. Well, yeah. Yeah, they are. And they want you to listen to the words of the wise. Who are the wise? The authority figures. Oh, and by the way, in this religion, you don't get rewarded for questioning the authority figures. You get rewarded for saying, Please, sir, can I have some more? That's what you get rewarded for. We'll see you on the next one.